Dr. Benner from Shelbourne East Center, and this is the next episode of the Shelbourne East Center podcast. And today we're going to talk about an interesting topic in total knee replacement that even over the course of my uh, time in medicine over the last 15 to 20 years, I feel like has uh, has has gone kind of back and forth um, in, into, into a couple different areas. And that's uh, patella resurfacing during total knee replacement, what to do with these patients. And, uh, you know, there's a, a I think more of a movement across the pond over in Europe where most of these patients don't get patella components. And here in the United States, my my training was almost always uh, everybody gets one. So an interesting topic that I think over the last uh, several years uh, has gone back and forth. So thank you for joining us, and I hope this will be a good episode. Last week, we talked about the donor knee and contralateral grafts for ACL reconstruction. So that's a topic that we're known really known for from Shelbourne East Center is doing ACL reconstruction with uh, the patella tendon graft from the other side. So make sure to check out that episode. As always, if you want to check out our our podcast, click the like button so you don't miss any. Subscribe. And if you have any comments, we'd love to hear from you if you have positive comments for us so people that come behind you can see those as well. Scott Bauman's here with us as well, my co-host. Yeah, Dr. Benner, I'm with you on that. I think this is going to be a great topic and, and one that's pretty timely. I know there's some good research out there that's looking at the pros and cons of resurfacing a patella at the time of total knee arthroplasty, and, and that's the, really the one of the big reasons why we're looking into this this topic. And I know you have some some great thoughts on it, which we'll get to, and we'll we'll also get to a study that we had recently done a couple years ago. Rachel Slavin, a, a former physical therapist that worked at our office, as well as myself and Dr. Benner, worked on this project, and it was presented as a poster at the combined sections meeting for the physical therapy. Association in San Antonio, Texas in 2022, as well as the American Academy of Orthopedic Surgeons Chicago a couple years ago. So we will get to that poster here eventually. But uh, to kick things off here, Dr. Benner, just wanted to get your your personal experience with patella resurfacing at the time of total knee arthroplasty and whether there was a difference with how you approached that earlier on in your training, early in your career, and, and what it looks like now. So can you just go through some of the uh, the personal experience you have with this? Yeah, so I graduated medical school in 2006 and started residency and was there at uh, Campbell Clinic in Memphis until 2011. So those are kind of my formative years in orthopedics where I was really spending some time, um, you know, reading through v- review materials, studying studying for the OITE, studying for my rotations as, uh, as I started doing joint replacement. Um, and at our program, we did total joints as a specific rotation as a second year, fourth year, and fifth year. And then we also did it at a couple of our other hospitals that were more hospital hospital-based rotations as opposed to mentor rotation. So a lot of joint replacement as all as all um, uh, orthopedic surgery residents uh, go through. And um, my, my, my um, upbringing at that point was really that everybody gets a patella component. Almost everybody I saw in residency got a patella component, whether, uh, whether they had patellofemoral arthritis or not. So when I came out of residency, it was a foregone conclusion, I think, that everybody was going to get a patella component. And if you didn't, if there was somebody that had you know, kind of a thinner patella or, you know, some other factors that maybe somebody didn't get a patella component. It was like, oh my gosh, what, this is totally different than what we've done, what we've done on everything else. It, it, it felt kind of felt, felt a little different to not, to not put one on. Um, so that was kind of my early experience. And then the, the same was really, uh, was really the case when I went on to fellowship. I did my fellowship at the Insall Scott Kelly Institute in New York city, uh, worked with Gil Scuderi and Fred Kushner and Norm Scott, uh, and the rest of that group, Mike King and Will Long as well. Some, uh, did a lot of total knees, uh, in that fellowship. And 
it was pretty much the same thing that everybody was resurfacing every patella. Uh, but I think they were a little bit more, uh, I don't know if aggressive or conservative is the rule is the, is the term, um, but a little more likely to leave somebody unresurfaced under a couple specific conditions. And those were that if people had a very thin patella, if we, if we measured that somebody was a patella thickness of 20 or less, and if you remove enough uh, enough bone to, to get the nine or 10 millimeter implant in that you're going to leave about 10 to 12 of uh, millimeters of patella bone left, then they would leave it alone, especially in obese people who we thought were going to put a lot of stress on the, on the patella with, um, with squatting activities, things like that, especially uh, osteoporotic females in particular, where we thought there was a little bit higher risk for fracture, uh, they were they were a little more likely to leave somebody unresurfaced. Um, but I still came out thinking I was going to do a patella component on everybody that I saw when I got it into practice. When I did get into practice, I started working with my my partner at the time, uh, Scott Urch, that was doing the total knee, most of the total knees for for our um, for our office, and he had worked with another surgeon at our hospital, Dr. Kevin Scheid from Ortho Indy, um, and and they were doing some unresurfaced patellas. So that was really my first foray into unresurfaced patellas was was working with with my former partner. And uh, you know, as a, as you get early out in practice, you're not super busy, and I would spend some time doing cases with him. You know, in, in that case, I started to see some some unresurfaced patellas, and I started to think a little bit more about that. And at that time, started looking into the literature and uh, and 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 finding some, uh, fi- you know, kind of formulating my own opinions as opposed to just uh, going with what I was with what I was taught. So, um, you know, those were kind of my formative things. Were originally that it was all patellas, but then having some having some experience with it with my partner not doing it. Yeah, it seems like you've been on quite the journey going from doing mostly patella resurfacing procedures at the time of total knee arthroplasty and then seeing some unresurfaced. So uh, knowing you have seen both sides of this, what would you say now is is really the pros and cons to doing it versus not doing it? I was awfully nervous about it at first. And, 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 you know, it's interesting when you, when you learn a certain way, I don't care whether it's ACL grafts that you do, um, different techniques that you use for, for knee replacement, for arthroscopic procedures, whatever, what you do starts, what you've been taught initially and the specific slant that you've been taught, uh, based on, on that experience becomes kind of the way you think it should be done. And then anything after that, you're kind of taken aback by that. So it took a little bit, a little bit of experience seeing his patients and seeing that they did very well to start to think, you know what, if that patient's got a pretty normal looking patella, maybe I'll just leave it alone. So I started doing some unresurfaced patellas and started to be pretty, pretty excited about the results. So then when I, when I went and looked back at the literature, um, one of the nice things about having a research department is that we can go back and, uh, uh, we have staff members who can look things up pretty quickly for us. So, uh, Tinker Gray, our, our research uh, manager at the time pulled quite a few studies on patella resurfacing and, uh, stuck them in a folder and, and, uh, and I started reading about it. And it seemed like that my impression was there were potential complications either direction, regardless of what you did. Um, and you know, sticking to the the, the the pros of an unresurfaced patella, obviously you avoid those uh, potential complications of making the patella too thin. So in particular, we never want to get thinner than a, than 10 millimeters of patella bone. And a lot of people don't want to get any any thinner than 12 millimeters of residual patella bone after you make the, the patella resection. Uh, and at, at a risk, uh, at any thinner than that, you're at risk of avascular necrosis. Uh, and if not avascular necrosis, you could see um, fractures of the patella. So there are some potential complications with doing the patella resection. And the other thing 
thing is, unfortunately, it's not easy to get it right every time. I've seen a lot of patella uh, patella cuts that have come in from elsewhere uh, that I that I look at that patella and resection and thought that that patella resection is awfully oblique. And for a while, I thought, gosh, that must stink that everybody else does that. I'm glad I never do that. And then and then you throw up some of your own X-rays and think shoot, I miss the mark sometimes also. And you make one a little too thin inferiorly and get a little worried about it, make it an oblique cut and you hope the patella still tracks normally, things like that. So even things that don't rise to the level of avascular necrosis or fracture, um, you can still thin out the patella and, and give yourself a lot of anxiety and, and worry about uh, about it. And, and it can cause some lower level problems uh, that may not be quite the 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 big complication uh but can still make make things difficult for patients so there, there are definitely some some advantages to not doing it and of course there's also cost savings as well we're not paying for patella implants uh if we if we don't put a patella component on so i do think there's some cost savings associated with that now after hearing that what would you say would be the downsides to leaving a patella unresurfaced or the opposite of that what would the pros be for resurfacing one I think the main reason that people don't like to do unresurfaced patellas is there are a percentage of patients who still continue to have anterior knee pain after surgery. And the thought, of course, then is if you didn't resurface the patella and you have anything that causes pain up in the front of the knee, then the patient and the surgeon may regard that as uh, a failure due to an unresurfaced patella. Um, you know, the, the, there's always a, the fear also a lot of surgeons will say, well, I don't want my patient having a little, little bit of swelling, a little bit of pain, whatever, just a, a you know relatively minor problem, and then going across the street to the other surgeon and have them saying, well, you know, your doctor, your doctor could have avoided this if they just would have put a patella component on you. Um, so I, I, I personally, I don't think that's a very good reason. I don't like to formulate my own opinions based on how someone else might interpret things, what I would consider incorrectly. You know, if somebody goes across the street and somebody else tells the patient that they think I should have done something differently, I'm not going to, I don't personally want to change what I'm doing for that reason. Um, but, but, uh, uh, but putting a patella component uh, on everybody does have the potential advantage of not having to have the the wonder in your head if somebody has anterior knee pain is it because I didn't put a patella component on them and if I had would that have would that have been a would that have been a, a difference for them it also takes you know there, there's n- nobody wants unknowns when you're in when you're in surgery and uh, the patients sometimes get a little hung up on well did you uh, you know I go in there after surgery and they say well did you put a kneecap component on me is it, do I still have my kneecap and if you say you know what I thought I was going to be able to do it unresurfaced but when I got in there you did have some wear so we went ahead and put a kneecap component on you oh darn I was really hoping to avoid that from my perspective I don't really think it matters that much uh, uh, but but the patients sometimes almost perceive that as a as a failure so you know I, th- I think there are some there are some definite potential advantages to leaving the patella unresurfaced and then I think there are some potential uh, some potential negative aspects of, of not putting a patella component on during a total knee as well. So you've made a great case for for both sides. You know, you you talk about the pros and cons of of both sides here. So it seems to be that the the right answer is finding that right person that needs one, and that may lead to the best outcome. So can you talk a little bit about what your current criteria is for making that decision to resurface a patella? It's always been an interesting debate to me because I think if if you if you find that there's no difference between resurfacing or not resurfacing, does that mean you should do it, or does that mean you should not do it? Because I can kind of see it both ways. If you do a study and you find that patients have equal outcomes, no difference in complication rates, 
some people would interpret that finding as well if it's not going to make a difference in outcome then i'm not going to put it on i'm not going to put a component on anybody some people would interpret it as well if there's no difference i don't want that variable to be left out. So I'm going to do it on everybody. Uh, and it's, it's interesting to, if you ask people about this, you know, surgeons, you ask them the same question, give them the same, you know, if I did a study that showed that there was no difference, what would you do that you can actually get different answers, which I think is kind of, uh, of interest of an interesting thing for me. The, the difference is what is the downside? If what, what potential complication am I going to have if I put one on versus don't put one on and how severe of a complication is that? And some of my feelings of that have been, have been, uh, you know, kind of informed by my, by my experience so far. So, uh, I've had, I think, the first couple of patients that I took back for a secondary patella resurfacing, one of them got better and I felt like I had solved the problem. He'd been having swelling and problems for, for a while, um, had been worked up for infection a couple of times, started to have some wear on x-ray and I resurfaced his patella. He came back a couple weeks later, said, doctor, you fixed it. Everything's looking great. I'm so glad we did this. And then he came in two weeks later infected. Uh, and of course the question then was if I'd have done that at the initial surgery, would that have taken care of his problem from the very beginning and avoided a, a, an infection on the second procedure? The second, the, the other one that I did, I resurfaced the patella and the guy came back and said it didn't really make a big difference for me. Um, and then he went for another opinion on his knee and uh, got an x-ray of his hip by that doctor. And they said, I think it's coming from your hip. He actually had a total hip and his knee pain went away. So I resurfaced his patella thinking that was going to help him. And I don't think that it really helped him. So uh, uh, the, the point is that I think if you do unresurface patellas, you're going to have to deal with some percentage of the patients coming back and saying that they're still having a little bit of pain in the front of the knee. Uh, and that if that's the case, uh, is the patella resurfacing going to really help them or not? We do have some data to guide us on this. There is some literature support uh, that uh, on this uh, that shows us, unfortunately, it's about a coin flip on whether or not secondary patella resurfacing really is going to make the difference for people or not, which of course then begs the question, if half of the people who get a secondary resurfacing don't get an improvement in their symptoms, then was that the problem to begin with? And in my opinion, the answer is no. Uh, so we see patients that come for second opinions for for uh, knee replacements that aren't doing well. Uh, and when they do, uh, if they have pain in the front of the knee, I don't really interpret that as an anterior problem necessarily. A lot of those patients have stiffness, have quad weakness, and other factors that can also lead to uh, that can also lead to anterior knee pain. But the point is that the downside of an unresurfaced patella would be possibly a secondary patella resurfacing. Uh, the the kind of complications that I've had on the on the resurfacing side, I've had a couple of patients get avascular necrosis uh, after a resurfaced patella, and while neither of those patients did particularly poorly, it definitely made their quad weakness worse. It gave them some pain up in the front of the knee. Their X-ray looks bad, and there's nothing I can do about it. As that patella starts to fragment, and it doesn't have a good doesn't have a good solution. Um, the other one I had was I had a patient who was an elderly female, probably not very good bone stock to begin with. And then I made a, a, an oblique cut, kind of thinned it out at the, uh, at the bottom of the patella. This is your patient, if I remember right, Scott. Uh, and and um, she ended up having a fracture at the inferior pole of the patella. Luckily, she still had her extensor mechanism intact, but that that patella over the course of the next couple of months, despite uh, despite immobilization, kind of floated up, 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 and up, and she ended up with pretty significant patella alta, but she did still, in a, in a little bit of an extensor lag, 
but she did have an intact extensor mechanism. So for me, the downside of the potential complications with resurfacing, patella fractures that we don't have good, uh, that we don't have a good way to handle, a vascular necrosis that it's hard to really make better. Those, in my opinion, are worse complications than the occasional person. And in my 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 uh, practice, it's been I think three or four out of a couple thousand uh, total knees that I've had to do a secondary resurfacing on. Uh, to me, those extensor mechanism complications. If you do have one of those happen after resurfacing the patella are, are, are a worse problem than if you have to think about whether or not you have to go back and do a secondary resurfacing. So I started to gravitate even early in my career after I saw my partner doing it and having pretty good success. After I started looking at the results of other studies that showed fairly equivalent uh, complication rates, but they were just different complications uh, that that I needed to look at this a little more closely. And in the final analysis, I decided that unless I have a pretty good reason to resurface the patella, meaning full thickness cartilage loss on the back of the patella, uh, I'm I'm usually not doing it. So right now, I'm probably I would say about 60, 65 percent unresurfaced, and maybe 30, 35 percent resurfaced. Now, knowing those numbers and sticking with the conversation of patient selection, when you're doing your preoperative planning for these patients, I'm curious, how often are you looking at a preoperative x-ray and saying, yes, that's a slam dunk patella resurfacing versus yes, that's a slam dunk, not a patella resurfacing, or you're going to make that decision intraoperatively? What's that distribution of those three scenarios? Yeah, so I always sit down with my reps the week before surgery, uh, make a lot of preoperative measurements, discuss any different instrumentation needs we may have uh, and and collect some and collect some data make some measurements and things like that and as a part of that we look at a merchant's view that we uh, an actual view of the patella uh, that we try to do some patella femoral resurfacing planning so if the patient has a normal looking patella femoral joint central tracking although I'll accept maybe a touch a little bit of tilt uh, if the patient has pretty central tracking a normal looking patella uh, patella femoral space on preoperative imaging then I usually go into that surgery planning to leave the patella unresurfaced if I get in surgery at that point even if we think that we're not going to do it if I flip the patella over during surgery and I see an area of full thickness wear uh, then I will change my mind and convert from a planned unresurfaced to doing a patella component the one caveat to that would be in a varus knee similar to what guys talk about when they do unicompartmentals on the medial side in a varus knee if a patient has a small area of far medial wear on the medial facet of the patella the thought with those is if you correct somebody out of varus to a more normal alignment that you're going to unload that medial facet uh, and load it back on the lateral facet. So in that case, if I have a a varus knee with a small area on the far medial facet that I'm correcting to neutral, then I will leave that unresurfaced even though they have a small area of full thickness wear. On the flip side, if I see on x-ray that the patient has some patellofemoral wear, they don't have a a normal patellofemoral joint on the preoperative imaging Almost never do I go from planning a resurfaced patella to then ending up with an unresurfaced patella. So I, I may have a percentage of patients, I guess I don't know what that number is, but there are some patients that I plan on not doing it and I end up doing it. It never is that I plan on doing it and then end up not doing it. All right. So knowing all, all of that, we do want to get to that poster and that research study that, that we did together. So first of all, can you tell us a little bit about what the rationale for even doing this in the first place was? Yeah, of course, the backgrounds of what we've been talking about so far, that there are 
po- positives and negatives of patella resurfacing. And uh, in my opinion, a selective resurfacing protocol is the way to go. And that's what I like to do for my own patients. But of course, I don't want to just assume that's the right thing because that's what I think. I like to put it to the test of data. So we wanted to take a look at the existing literature, uh, which which showed us that there was some potential advantages depending on which study you look for either approach. So our study, the purpose was to evaluate functional outcomes, both pre and post-surgery between resurfaced patellas and uh, non-resurfaced patellas at the time of total knee and figure out for ourselves in our own experience what differences we saw. Now going into the methods of the study, what were you specifically looking for and how did you set up that patient population? So we took pretty much my, my all, all of my total knees um, and, uh, and and divided them into groups, whether or not they had their patellas resurfaced. In the time period of the study, we had 717 patients who underwent a total knee replacement. Uh, the good thing about doing a single surgeon experience, you use the same implant in all the patients, use the same techniques. Uh, I'm a PS surgeon, I'm a poster stabilized surgeon, so uh, I took every PCL out and uh, and r- r- substitute for its function. Uh, so there's really, o- the, really the only variable is whether or not they had their patella resurfaced. And of those 717, uh, 363 of them had a resurfaced patella. 354 of them had an unresurfaced patella. There was a little bit of a difference in the distribution of males versus females. The resurfacing group uh, had a slight uh, preponderance more females, 204 versus 159 females. And then in the unresurfaced group, it was 220 males versus 134 females. So definitely a higher percentage of males in the unresurfaced group, a higher percentage of females in the resurfaced group. And then what we looked at is the post-operative rehabilitation between those two groups uh, to see was there a, a was there a, any problems with uh, range of motion both in extension uh, and flexion uh, was there a difference in swelling control and was there any difference in the strength and conditioning program when it came to uh, strength strength outcomes so we followed them uh, preoperatively and then at uh, one and two weeks after surgery and then one two three six nine and twelve months so multiple time periods over the first year and we measured objectively range of motion and uh, cybex testing isokinetic quad strength testing uh, normalized to body weight and also single leg press testing normalized to body weight. And then we also used a functional test, the timed up and go test, the tug test. Uh, and for those that aren't available with, uh, aren't uh, familiar with that, you start the clock when the patient stands up out of a chair, they walk a short distance to a line and then turn around and come back and sit down. It's just a brief functional test. Uh, and then last but not least, we looked at subjective measures, including all five subscales of the COOS. Now, sticking with the methods, you had mentioned that really the only difference between these two groups was the fact that one had a patella resurfaced and one did not, including post-op rehab being similar. Now, and I know from this study specifically, and me seeing a lot of these patients, I know that the the rehab is the same, whether the patients have a resurfaced patella or not. And and actually, you know, you get two or three months out of surgery and you you forget what what they even had or what group they were in from a a treatment standpoint. But I'm just curious to to hear even early on in your training, when you were seeing a lot more of these, were there any specific rehab implications that you would educate the patients on or, or give a heads up to the therapy staff? when a patient had a resurfaced patella versus not, or is it strictly the same rehab across the board? From a rehab perspective, the short answer is no, there's no difference. Um, we, we, as you know, we don't, we don't, uh, we don't change any of our exercise, uh, exercise recommendations based on the status of the, of the patella. 
we don't really change anything. Uh, the one thing that I do tell the patients about is that they may notice some clicking up in the front of the knee if they have a patella component, which they don't if they don't have one. So you can even tell during clinic if I you know, sometimes if I forget which one I did, uh, rather than ask the therapist, I just put my fingers on the patella, move it side to side, and feel if you feel if you can uh, see if you can feel uh, the plastic to metal click underneath. It uh, tells us they had a patella component versus versus not feeling that. But uh, as far as the as far as the rehabilitation goes, we didn't do anything different. Uh, and when we started this study, we didn't know if there was an advantage one way or another uh, with our specific protocols. That's really what this study was designed to figure out. Now let's move into the results of this study. N knowing we uh, looked at those specific parameters and objective measures, what type of results did we find for this? Well, first, there were some differences preoperatively. The patients who had unresurfaced patellas had a, had statistically significantly better flexion pre-surgery, but it was 123 degrees versus 120 degrees. It wasn't a huge, uh, a huge, um, wasn't a huge clinical difference. It was only a few degrees, but it was statistically significantly different. And then as we look at the, uh, as we look at a, a chart over time, two months, three months, six months, nine months, and out to a year, uh, we do have a chart that was in, that was on the poster for that, that we'll put up on our, on the, uh, on our, on our social media posts about this, uh, this episode, but the range of motion was really about the same through two months, three months. And then at the longer time periods, six, nine and 12 months after surgery, there was a statistically significant improvement inflection for the unresurfaced group, but it was about two to three degrees, about the same difference uh, that they had pre-surgery. So I think while the well, it does appear that across the board, the unresurfaced group had better flexion. I think you can probably explain that by the fact that they didn't have pre-existing patella arthritis and that their pre-op their pre-op uh, function was better. Uh, on the extension over time, there was no difference pre-op, uh, and there was only one time point, I think at the three-month time point, where we had like a half a degree or a one-degree difference in range of motion uh, from an extension perspective. But over time, uh, the, the curves look pretty much the same, so really no differences uh, in extension over time. When it came to the quad strength, that's where I think it was most uh, most interesting. Uh, the patients who had unresurfaced patellas did have better quad strength preoperatively, uh, and th then the then the resurfaced group. And then as we looked after surgery, uh, the unresurfaced group seemed to get their strength back quicker when normalized to body weight and quicker side to side. Uh, same thing was true of the leg press. So the, the unresurfaced group did have a little bit better strength preoperatively, and they were able to get that back quicker postoperatively and to maintain it at a higher level than the resurfaced group uh, postoperatively. So we did see some differences in strength uh, based on the status of the patella. As, as it Related to the the coup scores, the resurfaced group did have slightly better coup scores uh, at a couple time periods uh, at one, two, and six months, but no differences at the nine and twelve month period. So while it did look that there were some functional improvements uh, with the unresurfaced group, uh, the resurfaced group had a couple times early on where where they got a little bit better symptom improvement, though in the long term it was not better. As far as the tug times went, it did not show a statistically significant difference between groups. Yeah, I agree with you. I, I, I found that the strength results were really the most, one of the most interesting things of this study. You know, I remember looking at the statistics on this and looking at the pre-op and seeing that the non-resurface group had better strength 
preoperatively as well as better flexion. And, you know, just knowing that in the vacuum, you would chalk that up to, well, if they're non-resurfaced, that tells me that their patellofemoral joint is probably uh, at a better at a better status level than the resurface group because we know the resurface group is going to end up having a resurfaced patella due to some type of patellofemoral damage. So that did make sense. But I know when I looked at just the pre-op values, my thought was that, well, they probably will equal up in the end because postoperatively, you could argue that both have a better or more normal patellofemoral joint, and they really didn't. As you notice, the unresurfaced group tended to have higher strength levels uh, throughout every time point postoperatively. So I, I did find that interesting. Is that something you were expecting as well, or what were your thoughts on on that? I don't know that I really necessarily expected that preoperatively, but the 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 after we see the results of this data, and I kind of tried to wrap my head around that, I came to a lot of the same conclusions. I think that the the patients who needed patella resurfacing at the time of surgery obviously had a worse-looking, more arthritic patella uh, than the people who were unresurfaced. So I think that that explains why the resurfaced group, especially in the early time points, uh, had a little bit better symptom relief, a little bit better functional and subjective scores because their knees were worse to begin with because they had an arthritic patella and the other they, they had you know a worse problem than the people who had an unresurfaced patella. But I think that the unresurfaced group had better strength pre and and post surgery. And I think the reason is that there is some it does seem like there is an advantage to the patients having their own patella. Uh, and that that does seem to give them better strength early and late. Um, so uh, I think you can see by this study the kind of pluses and minuses of each. Uh, for me, it still kind of points to unresurfaced patellas, though, uh, because those patients aren't subject to their symptoms being as bad, um, So they st- and they still get the same kind of outcome. Uh, and those functional gains that they have because their patella is pretty normal, they get to keep and maintain throughout the post-surgical process. So, uh, And then, of course, there's the cost savings associated with not using patella components for the entirety of the healthcare system, and, uh, and, and I think that's important as well. So before we wrap up here, I'm just curious to hear your thoughts on what the what your take-home clinical message is with this study. Knowing that the flexion is a little bit better, the strength is a little bit better for the unresurfaced. What would you uh, what would you say would be the clinical take-home here? Well, I think that um, those those functional differences I do think are pretty significant, and I and I think that's something I really learned from going through this study process was that those patients who have patellofemoral arthritis. Uh, versus those who don't are going to have a little bit worse function pre-surgery and that they may get a little bit more of an improvement post-surgery in their symptoms because, like I said, because they have a worse problem. Uh, but I do think this this study highlights that the, leaving the patella unresurfaced does make the patient's function a little bit better pre-surgery and it does maintain it at a little bit higher level post-surgery. Uh, and, I, and I think that's important. The other one that I didn't really talk about, I guess, in the results was we didn't really see much in the way of complications in either group. We didn't see any patients have fractures or um, avascular necrosis in the resurface group, um, we, and we saw nobody in the unresurface group that came back to have a secondary resurfacing. So I think one of the real reason, one of the real uh, potential problems is if you're going to say, you know what, I'm changing my mind today and I'm going to stop putting patella components on people, and then you have people starting to come back for reoperations because of it, uh, I think that's a potential problem, but we did not see the chances of having problems with the patellofemoral joint uh, we're, we're really not existent, um, in either group, which is, which is of course a positive thing. And the last take home point I think is just the, 
that, that you have to really think critically, review studies and review your own data and your own experience uh, before you come up with what you want to do on these. I guess I was really a little more dogmatic early in my career that I'm that I learned that we do a patella component on everybody. I learned there's some potential problems with undersurface patella, so that's what I'm going to do. And it was really eye-opening for me to work with somebody who didn't and to be open to that um, to to a difference in that protocol. And then after reviewing the literature and thinking about it uh, about the more nuanced portions of this, um, how that kind of changed my thoughts on it. And then even more so once we did the study, uh, utilizing our own data uh, to be able to look it up and come up with our own thoughts based on what our patients tell us uh, is really important to everything. But I think specifically uh, for patellar resurfacing, it's a lot more nuanced than I think people really give it initially. Uh, specifically, like I said, it, it, it bother, it's bothersome for me when people say, well, I just do it because I don't want them going next door and having somebody say that that's that that's uh that i did it wrong and, and end up with revision surgery find out what you think about things based on the literature track your own outcomes uh, evaluate and uh appreciate all the nuance to this debate and 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 come to your own conclusion for what's best for you and your patients Excellent. Well, I appreciate you going over this. I, I think you bring a pretty unique and interesting perspective on this as you really have gone through the, you know, both ends of the spectrum as you started off with doing a, a lot of resurfacing and then transitioning to to not a lot and then settling in somewhere, I, I think, in the middle. As you said, it's about 60% now and then uh, able to get to that conclusion based on some of these studies as well as, well as your own anecdotal data. So I appreciate you going over that and giving us your thoughts on this. Well, thanks everyone for joining us at the end of today's episode. If you'd like to contact us or follow us, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at the SKC Podcast. We have a YouTube and Facebook page for the SKC Podcast as well, or you can email us the SKC Podcast at gmail.com. Come back next week for our next episode, and we'll talk to you then. Mm-hmm.